0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Even though Jane and I are a few thousand miles away in Israel doing a pastor's tour, we are with you in heart and spirit this morning. Now we're speaking into each congregation, whether you're in person, in a building or whether you're in homes. And I'm just praying that uh, as a follow on from last week's message, which was about uh, God's redemptive wrath, that that really spoke to you and you got a lot out of it. And maybe it wasn't what you thought God's wrath was because sometimes we can think of it in more of a negative or heavy way. But this morning, we're going to follow on from that and continue really talking about God's wrath. Uh, but in the light of judgment day, when we all stand before God uh, and give an account of our lives, uh, how does God express His wrath in that moment. And I believe that God during last week and this week in terms of the two messages, wants to really give us a fresh reverence and awe for who He is, like a a fear of the Lord in the right way, not being afraid of God that we we cower away, um, but actually a reverence and an awe where we realise how holy He is, how righteous He is and that He is God. And I believe that he wants to do that in our hearts because then it, it, it changes the way we see life. It changes the way we uh, make decisions. It changes the way that we live and, and even treat others and love others and what God wants to do uh, through in their lives through us. So let's just remind ourselves before we get into the actual uh, subject uh, this week that we're in the book of Romans and Paul speaks... Uh, these things about God's wrath and God's judgment to set up what he's gonna say about God's amazing grace that none of us deserve, but everything that we received is by his grace through faith. And he just begins to explain, as we're gonna open up in the the next few weeks, some of the other chapters, uh, just how amazing God is. But he frames that uh, not only with the good news of what the gospel is, but also maybe some of the bad news as to why the gospel is good news and why God needs to deal with the bad news or did or has dealt with the bad news in the way that he did so that we can come into the good news of everything that he's done for us. So just a reminder, quick recap from last week, we talked about God's wrath and his redemptive wrath. And let's just remind ourselves in God's wrath, God is not just a loose cannon, losing his temper with people. That's not God's wrath. His wrath is not a reckless rage. It's not an uncontrollable anger. It's not a senseless fury or an unjust vengeance. God is not like that. His wrath, in really simple terms, just to remind ourselves, the wrath of God is a precise and controlled response to everything that separates man from God and that is un righteous. Maybe we could say this, anything that is an affront to his holiness. So God in his wrath controlled, precise response to deal with the bad news, the negative, so that he can clear all of that away so that we could then come into the positive, everything that the gospel is. So What we're going to do, we're going to read quite a chunk this morning from Romans chapter 2. And as we kind of read in through the the verses this morning, we're going to pick out a few things. But I'm just praying that God really highlights some stuff here so that there is a fresh reverence and all for all of us to understand, not only for us, but one day everyone, everyone that has lived, is living and will live, we're all going to have to stand before God one day. And he's going to ask, what did you do with the life that I gave you? And we're all going to have to give an account of that life. So let's just unpack this uh, because there's no negative fear okay, in, in for believers in terms of what we're going to look at. If people don't know Jesus and you're watching, listening this morning, I just pray that you have an understanding. You see God's heart for people and for mankind in what I believe God wants to say to us this morning and, uh, and it will change maybe your perceptions of who God is and actually that you really open up your heart and your life to God because you understand his nature and character even though He's there's a, re, there's a redemptive wrath uh, about how he went to the cross and took all our sin upon himself so that we could know him and be forgiven but also there is a, a wrath on the day of judgment where every person is going to stand before him and that For many, it's not going to be a good day. And I believe there's an awe that God wants to give us about how we live in relation to that day that is to come. So let's just pray before we dig into Romans chapter two. Father, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. I thank you that you are love. You are mercy, you're compassion, you are gracious. But at the same time, Father, you express your nature and your character to do with godlessness and wickedness, the things that are not of you, and how you deal with that in your wrath, in your controlled anger, dealing with the negative so that we can come into all that is positive, the good news of the gospel, who you are. And so, Father, I thank you for a revelation for every one of us this morning fresh reverence and awe upon us as a people, that we don't treat you lightly, that we don't take you for granted, that you are the awesome, holy, righteous God, as well as the one who loves. It's full of mercy, grace and compassion. Father, open up the eyes of our hearts so we see the breadth, the width, the depth of who you are, so that we don't bring you down to our size, but you lift us up into who you are. And that we live in a reverence and awe to worship you, to give you adoration in the way that we live our lives. So that how we live glorifies you individually and as a church. So I thank you, Father, that you speak to us through your word this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. So let's uh, turn to Romans and we're going to start right at the beginning of this chapter. Now, it comes after chapter one, which is not an amazing bit of revelation for you. And at the last part of chapter one, Paul does address some areas of sin in a very, very strong way. Uh, and areas of the way people live their lives. And we're gonna come to some of that subject matter in a a few weeks time and and deal with some of that in a a really full way rather than just trying to shoehorn it in as part of this message or last week's message. So um, we're gonna come to that and do two or three messages on biblical sexuality and what that looks like from God's point of view and how he's called us to live as people, okay? So we're gonna come to that uh, in a few weeks time Time. But let's get into this. And, and Paul's speaking off the back of, of speaking about uh, the way people live their lives. They don't necessarily acknowledge God and how God allows them and gives them over to. Well, if you want to live like that, that's up to you. But I have done something that makes it possible to know me and to be saved in your life. And so in, is that as a backdrop, Paul then says to the people who are, he wrote this letter to in the church in Rome. He then says this, "'You therefore have no excuse, "'you who pass judgment on someone else. "'For at whatever point you judge another, "'you are condemning yourself, "'because you who pass judgment do the same things. So Paul is speaking a little bit about some of the tension that there was in the church in Rome. There was a bit of judgment on one another in terms of certain things, their relationships and whether Gentiles are better than Jews or vice versa. There was a bit of that going on, but also what he's speaking about in the area of how people are living their lives, he's basically saying none of us have the right to judge other people in terms of how we think they should or shouldn't live Uh, And sometimes when we kind of speak about the speck in someone else's life there's a bit of a log going on in ours and that we need to deal with whatever's happening in our own lives uh, before we speak about others and so he's he's just challenging maybe some of the thinking that goes on that is saying hey don't don't look and judge other people how they live your lives because it's only by God's mercy that we have received from him it's only by his mercy that we have been forgiven for all the things that we've done and maybe some of the things we still do it's only God's mercy that he doesn't treat us in the way that we could be treated. And so he's kind of saying here, hey, hey, guys, uh, don't pass judgment on anyone else. And Paul is speaking in a context of a reverence of God. Hey, guys, don't don't treat others uh or, or, or in a way that or treat others in a way that you want God to treat you. Okay? Then what does he do in verse 2? He says, Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. And so what is Paul saying here? He's saying, God is the truth, and he doesn't lie. And when God speaks, we know that what he says is right, what he says we we know is true. So God is speaking from a place of truth, also grace, because God doesn't condemn and judge uh, in the sense of... Uh, well, there is a, a judgment day coming, but he's not judging condemning right now people. He's making it possible for people to respond to him. And so he says here that we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So if he is truth, okay, then that is the plumb line against which we measure everything, okay? And that we don't measure things against our own opinions, other people's opinions, all the different thoughts and philosophies out there. No, we measure everything according to God being the truth and then what He says. So he's saying, don't base your life on judgment on others, base it on the truth of what God's word says for your own life, first of all. Then he says, verse three, so when you, a mere human being, so in the context of who God is, he is righteous, he is holy, he is the awesome living God. In relation to God on one level, we're mere humans. Who do we think we are to judge someone else and to put someone else down or say, we're right and you are wrong. He says here, so when you a mere human being pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Now, we might not do exactly the same things as others that we might be judging, but there might be other areas in our lives where our lives don't line up with how God wants us to be, living or thinking in some way or other, but yet It's easy to judge someone else and say and criticize and say, Well, that's a wrong lifestyle, that's a wrong way to live. They shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. And actually, God, as far as he's concerned, sin is sin. God doesn't grade sin and say, well, this is much worse than that. Adam and Eve took a piece of fruit from a tree and took a bite. They just simply acted independently from God. That is what sin is. Sin is acting independently from God. So anything that we do in our lives where we are acting, speaking independently of the truth and how God wants us to live, then we are sinning We are doing something that is against what God wants. And so it's amazing because we know we can come to God and say, Father, forgive me for that. But what it does mean is we don't pass judgment on others, whether a believer or not a believer in terms of how people are living their lives. We need to take responsibility for our own lives and how we live, okay? And therefore in our own lives, we are making judgments about how we want to live in response to who God is and the truth of His word, okay? So it then says here, So when you a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? So however we treat others, we will be treated ourselves. If we show mercy, we'll receive mercy. If we show love, we'll receive love. But if we treat others in judgment and condemnation, then that's how we will be treated. Verse four, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience? not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So what's Paul saying here? He said, hey, he reminds the believers here of the cross, God's redemptive wrath. Okay, so what he's talking about here is, look, you have been saved guys, and you've been saved through the riches of God's kindness, through His forbearance, that He bore our sins upon Himself and God's patience. He hasn't treated us as we have deserved. And in His loving kindness, okay, that then leads us to repentance, to a sorrow in our hearts that says God, I don't just want to be forgiven, I want to turn away from that and I don't want to live like that anymore. Instead, I want to live in the way that you want me to live. And what he's reminding me is, hey guys, don't forget that because if you start forgetting that and you take all of this for granted, you will then begin to condemn and judge and put other people down, okay? Then what does he say here, verse 5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Wow. Interesting reading God's word because as we said last week, generally in the church, we've heightened or or emphasised more God's love, his mercy, grace, the goodness of God, uh, his compassion. We've Probably elevated to that more than, than talking about maybe the wrath of God because wrath we see is negative. And it's like, well, you know, if he's a God of love, how can he be a God of wrath? Well, God exercises this controlled anger to deal with the negative. We must always remember that to deal with the negative so that we can come into and live in all that is positive his love, his grace, his mercy. But even God's wrath is positive right? Because God's wrath deals with the negative, okay? It clears it, deals with it. And as we're going to see in a few moments, what happens on judgment day, okay? It's going to be an awesome, awesome day that we're all going to give an account for God. But there's some good news for those who know God, which will cover in a few minutes, okay? So because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, so he's speaking to people that don't know God in that sense, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God's word is truth. There is a day coming for every person where we're gonna give an account, okay? And then it says in verse six, that on that day God will repay each person according to what he has done. Wow. Just think about that for a moment. I don't know what it's going to look like, whether a video is going to play out of our lives or, or what, but God is going to look at our lives, every person that's ever lived, whether they've known him or not known him, and he's going to repay each person according to what they have done. Now, next few verses are really, really important to how God is going to reveal and express his wrath, his controlled anger to each individual that we give an account for our lives. Let's have a look. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. Wow. To those who by persistence in doing good. Now, what does that mean when you unpack that? It doesn't just mean that anybody, whether saved or unsaved, if they do good things to other people, then they're going to be okay. What this means here to those who are by persistence in doing good, what it means is seeking after God and who He is and His purposes. Listen to this. Those who are persistent by doing good seek glory, seek to know God in His glory, okay? Not to seek glory for themselves, but those who by persistence seek to do it by seeking God in His glory, to know Him in His glory. Okay, when, when we know God in His glory, His light shines on who we are because His glory is a magnificent light that in one sense, if God revealed His full glory to us, we wouldn't even be able to keep our eyes shut. We couldn't be able to behold him in all his glory. But what Paul is saying is those that are persistent in seeking God in his glory, to know him in the light of who he is. So not keeping anything hidden, but saying, God, I want to know you in your glory, in the light of who you are. Okay, so I meet with you and know you in your glory, so that I also am persistent in knowing you in the honour of who you are, to give you honour, to give you glory. Okay, this is what Paul is speaking about here in our lives and immortality. What does that mean? It actually means to live a life, okay, that it that will not perish any longer because we're living in the new life of who God is in us, that eternal life. And so what's he saying? Those who persist to know God in his glory, to honor him in and through their lives, and to live in as a new creation in this new relationship and a life that will not perish, because when you give your life to Jesus, you you then begin, you step into to his eternal life that then begins the day you gave your life to him. And that's what he's saying in this verse here, okay? So in the light of that, Paul says just before, that we're going to repay according to what we have done. If we set our face in our life in knowing him, to know him in his glory, to honour him in our lives and how we live and to live in that immortality, to live in that, new in that eternal life that will not perish or fade. He says then some things we're going to come to in a moment that we then receive. But then in verse eight, he says this, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Wow. I don't know about you, but I don't want to face God one day in His wrath and in His anger. Let's just read on. Verse 9. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Wow. We're just reading the Bible here. There's some other verses in Revelation that we could read that... um, Talk about what's going to happen on on the day, on Judgment Day, on the day we all stand before God and give an account. And when you know God, when you surrendered your life to Him, and it says here, by persistence, we are seeking Him, to know Him more fully in all that He already is in us. But We want to know Him in that. And we live to honour Him and live in this immortality, the life that He's given us that will not fade or perish, that there is no fear in that day to stand before Him. If we live in that way as believers, knowing that He's not going to, we're not going to face His wrath and anger in that way. But look, for those that don't know God, and this is not a fear trip for people who don't know Jesus. This is the reality of what is in the Bible. This is reality of who God is. And some of the challenge of speaking about the wrath of God is is we don't like it. It grates against some of that. It's like, oh, would God really treat people like that? Would he really um, release his wrath and his anger on people? Because it says here, there'll be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Wow. Wow. God has made it possible through the cross, as we heard last week, through his redemptive wrath, he's made it possible for every person to know him, to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be purified, to be made right with him, to be made holy in his sight, blamely in his sight. He's made it possible for every person on the planet to come into relationship with him. And it's a choice that we make while we're on earth as to whether we want to know him or not. And so it's the choice that we make on earth that determines where we spend eternity, determines whether we face God's wrath and anger on that day or whether we face ultimately his mercy and his grace and then we spend eternity with him. It's clear what the Bible says that when people don't know God or they reject Him, say, I don't want to know you, I'm not interested in you. When people don't know God, there'll be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. Why? Because on that day, people will realise, why did I say no to God? Why did I reject Him when I heard about Him? And as we heard last week, In Romans chapter one, that as far as God's concerned, in all creation, he's revealed who he is. And even that alone, he's going to say, well, what did you do? Did you see me in all creation? And man, he's going to leave people with no reason and no excuses. Not because he's harsh, not because he wants people to spend an eternity separated from him because he's made, he's made it fully possible for every person on earth that is alive right now to respond to him and have a relationship with why? Because he wants every person to be with him for all eternity. And Then it says here, first to the Jew, then for the Gentiles. So that implies then that he's gonna judge Jewish people first, then all the Gentiles. Then what does it say in verse 10? But glory, honour and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favouritism. Now, remember Paul is speaking to the church in Rome where there was some tensions between the Gentiles and the Jews, okay? And he says here, God doesn't show favouritism, okay? Uh, he might have chosen the Jewish people to reveal himself to when we read the Old Testament. But why did he do that? So he could show the rest of the nations, all the Gentiles, what it's like to know him so that we would all be jealous of what the Jews have in terms of relationship with God. And, and that's God's risen intention. It wasn't that he just wanted Jewish people to know him and the rest are condemned. No, he wanted to show what it's like to know him and walk with him so that everybody else would be jealous of that. and and. That was God's heart and so this is why he's saying, first of all, I'm going I'm to judge Jewish people. How have they lived their lives in relation to me? Then I'm going to judge all the Gentiles. How have they lived their lives in relation to me? And some both Jew and both Gentile are going to realise, man, I didn't know you. I didn't give my life to you. I didn't surrender my life to you. But then there are other Jews and Gentiles that are going to be, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Saviour. I surrender my life to you. I wanted to serve you, bring glory to you and know you in that way. Wow, what a day it's going to be. No wonder for some, it's going to be a day of just joy and release and like, oh, this is a God. You're amazing. And for others, It's gonna be a day of trouble and distress. Now God's heart is that no one would face that. And He wants us in our hearts to realise, wow, people that don't know Jesus yet, whether Jew or Gentile, people that don't know Jesus yet, that is what they're gonna face on that day. And God's heart is that none would face Him in that way. That's why we have the redemption, God's redemption, redemptive wrath, dealing with sin, dealing with the power of sin, dealing with the devil, overcoming death and hell and everything else, so that people can know Him and have relationship with Him. So let's look at verse 12 and we're going to read some of this from, from the truth version, which explains things so, so well. So verse 12 of Romans chapter 2, this is Paul says, Now in relation to what we've just been talking about, okay? It's not a matter of being legalistic, of trying to live according to the law to make yourself justified to know God, okay? It's not a matter of being legalistic, trying to be religious, for God will judge each according to his knowledge of what is right. God expects a higher standard from those who claim to know what is right. You see, knowing what God commands does not make you righteous in his sight. It is obedience to his word that he considers to be the right way to live. Wow. So God is after us living in obedience to his word. So when you give your life to Jesus, when you surrender to him, he gives us his Holy Spirit, empowers us with his Holy Spirit to enable us to live in the obedience of faith, which Paul spoke about uh, at the beginning of Romans 1, so that we can live the obedient life he's called us to. So we're not trying to live it in our own strength. We're not trying to live a religious life or a legalistic life. No, we're living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, even in nations where there is ignorance of God's law, some people have an inward awareness of what is right, so act accordingly it is as if God's purpose is somehow written on their hearts, even though they have never been taught God's commandments. So what's Paul speaking to here? He's speaking to Jews and Gentiles. Here. He's speaking to the Jewish people saying, hey guys, there are a whole lot of people called Gentiles where they don't live according to the law. They don't even know the law or the ways of God, but yet God has been revealed to them and something has been written on their hearts. And so it's a heart thing that they seek to follow God and to know God. And therefore there's a conviction in their hearts. There's a knowledge of God in their hearts that says, I want to live in the way that God wants, not because I'm trying to fulfill a law or a written code, but because something has happened on the inside of me and now I want to serve Him and know Him and walk with Him. This is what Paul is speaking to here. There, he says, their consciences tell them what is right or wrong and they feel uncomfortable when they do wrong, but at peace when they do what is right. So what he's saying here is, hey, there's something written on the hearts of people when God comes into their lives that that then brings a deep conviction in their conscience that says, no, I don't want to do that because that is not right. I only want to do this because I want to live in obedience to who God is. Then verse 16, On the day of judgment, God will judge each person according to the nature of his heart, his or her heart. No secrets will be hidden from him. How wonderful that we can be spared from the judgment we deserve through faith in Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Wow. So when we look at, God's wrath and anger that will be expressed on the day of judgment where every person stands before Him one day. For those that know God, for those in relationship with God, for those that surrender their life to God and say, God, I want to live for Your glory. I want to live to honour You. I want to live in this indestructible life that You've given me, this eternal life that You've given me. On that day, it says how wonderful for those who are gonna be spared from judgment because of what Jesus Christ has done. But yet, what a day it will be for those that don't yet know Jesus. And I believe this morning, in relation to God's wrath, that God doesn't want us to walk away this morning or just carry on with our lives today and think, well, that's that's great, I'm saved, I'm all right. I'm gonna be all right then. I believe what God wants us to realize is how many people do we know that don't yet know Jesus and at this moment are living under God's wrath, God's judgment? What do I mean by that? That if they died today, that's what they would face. One day, we're all going to face God, but those that don't know Him will face His wrath and His anger. And none of us, you or I, let alone God, would want anyone to face that judgment. Not because God's looking forward to that day saying, great, I'm looking forward to He's like, He's saying to us, hey guys, get out there, show people who I am. Show them my love, my grace, my mercy, compassion. Show them who I am. At the same time, People need to understand that one day we're all going to give an account for our lives, but it's not a gospel of fear. It is a gospel of love, of grace, of mercy. And I believe God wants to do something in our hearts so that the way we live our lives and how we we reach people is with his heart of love because one, we want people to experience God's redemption in their lives because His redemptive wrath has dealt with the power of sin and everything that could separate them. So we want to go with the good news of the gospel to say, this is what God has done for you. This is what He saved you from. And this is what He has for you. And as you surrender your life to Him, this is what He saves you from in terms of judgment day. And we need to be praying, if we're not already, for that revelation of who God is in people's lives. And I believe we need to pray for who we are as a a people, that fresh revelation that God is awesome, that he is holy, that he is righteous, and that we can't bring him down to our size. But he wants us to bring, he wants to bring us up to who he is. And in that, realize with a reverence and an awe, God, you are holy, you are righteous, you are awesome. Father, I surrender my life afresh to you and who you are. Father, I want to live in obedience to you and your word. I want to live in line with who you are, not because I'm afraid to cow you, but because I'm in awe of who you are. And my heart says, God, I want to know you in your glory, in the light of who you are, without any fear of judgment and condemnation, but one of forgiveness, acceptance and your goodness. And Father, that's what I want to see everybody else to come come into that I know that doesn't know you because that's your heart for them. I'm sure that is what is on your heart this morning. So let's just take a few moments, okay, to talk around our tables, whether you're in in a building with loads of people or at home, in a a home. Just take a couple of moments. You might want to talk to one or two people, not necessarily a group of seven or eight around a table, but one or two, and just take a few moments, okay, and maybe just talk and pray together. Maybe part of our response this morning is, God, I, I need a fresh revelation of how awesome you are, how, how holy you are. Because I want to live with a right reverence and awe of you so that I never take You for granted. I don't just say, oh, well, never mind. God will just forgive me anyway. God's grace, yeah, he'll cover it. We know that God's grace and mercy are there for us, but we don't wanna live in a way that's like, oh, well, I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing because God's grace will cover it. Paul speaks about that in in later chapters. No, we wanna live in the grace of God, God's enabling, which enables us to live in His life, His goodness, righteousness, holiness, and His love. Maybe just take a few moments around your tables, talk together, pray together, and maybe you can take a few minutes to pray for those that you know, friends of yours, family members, those you're praying for, pray for them, You get an opportunity to share the gospel, give your testimony, talk to them, love them, show them who God is because we want people to be saved from the power of sin in their life now so they can be forgiven and cleansed and come into a relationship with God, but also so they don't have to face the wrath and anger one day on the the day of judgment because God wants to say to them in the same way He's going to say to us, hey, in relation to the persistence of doing good, seeking his glory. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and reign with me and rule with me for all eternity. Wow. Let's take a few moments. Just talk around you with others and spend some time praying together. Okay. Let me just pray before you do that. Father, I just thank you for this word this morning. I thank you, Father. I just pray that it won't be heavy, but it would be weighty that you find us responding in a depth in our hearts and lives this morning because we want to know you and we want others to know you. So Father, I just pray that you lead this time through now as we all pray together in different ways, in the buildings or in homes, and that we would meet with you, you'd speak, you'd work in our hearts right now as a church across every congregation in every life and that how we would live from today would be different because of what you're doing in our hearts both last week and this week, I praise your awesome name. Amen. I mean, Bless you guys. Have a great time just sharing and praying together. Okay? Bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.